Happy Good Friday. My name is Glenn. I'm one of the pastors here at our church, and I'm so honored to kind of take us on a journey tonight. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with, with me to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 1. And while you're turning there, can I just take just a moment and just welcome everybody? It's so good to see you, especially if you're here for the very first time. Uh, I'm not going to have you show your hand or get you to stand on a seat or do anything embarrassing, but we would love to actually just put our hands together as a church and just welcome you and thank you for being here. And we're so glad that you're with us today. And, and if you're visiting us this, this weekend, uh, we have a saying around here, we just like to say, welcome home. And uh, we really pray that this isn't just a place that you kind of feel like you're visiting, but you walk in here going, you know, I think this could be home. And I just want to tell you it can be, all right? And we, that would be such our honor to uh, walk through life with you and your family and your children. And uh, we're, we're in Easter. And the tradition, this is Good Friday. Tomorrow is Saturday. And then we have Sunday. And each one of them symbolize a lot of things. But if I can just make it as simple as I can, Friday symbolizes and represents a day of mourning. It's a day of, of defeat. It's a day of, of pain, of, of agony. Have you ever had a Friday in your life? Can't we all relate with Friday? But then Saturday comes, and Saturday really, it, it represents, it's a, it's a day of silence. It's a day where it seemingly God's not up to anything. That we had a moment of tragedy, and, and it seems like there is no solution. Have you ever had a Saturday? Have you ever had that moment in your life where it seems like God is silent? But how many of y'all know that Sunday's coming? <laughs> Am I in the right house today? Sunday's coming, man. And maybe, maybe as you're walking through your spiritual journey today, I just, can I just speak to you and tell you that your Sunday is coming? Literally, it'll be here in two days, but I'm talking more than just the actual calendar date. Your Sunday's coming. And, uh, and Sunday represents resurrection. It's a day of victory. It's a day of life. And, uh, and we're going to celebrate on Sunday. And uh, Paul said in Philippians 3 verse 10, and I feel like it really sets the, the scene and the tone of the night. He says this. He says, I want to know Christ. So I want to know Jesus. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. But it doesn't stop there, does it? I find that interesting because most of us would just kind of want the resurrection part. But then he goes on, and I think there's something to learn to that. He says, I want to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You know, Paul knew something that I think many of you are here for a reason, is that there is no resurrection without something first being dead. Am I right? And the reason why we have grace today, the reason why we have a good news is because there's, there was a death. There was a moment. There was a, a challenge. There was pain that was put upon our Savior. And so tonight, we remember, we feel, we experience this night, this Friday night, in anticipation knowing that Sunday's coming. So are you there? Matthew chapter 26, verse 1, and can I open us up in prayer today? And well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for every person that's in this room or that might be here today watching online. God, I know that we're going to read off of your word 
and we're gonna hear it with our ears. God, I'm asking by the power of your spirit that we would feel this in our hearts. God, as we walk through this, the story of what you went through, God, let it leap inside of our, our lives, our marriages, our homes today. God, your passion for us, your love for us. And God, I, play, I pray in return that God, we would walk out of here more in awe, more committed, more surrendered, not to ourselves, but to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And somebody said, amen. So we're gonna read through Matthew 26 and 27, and then we'll pause and reflect throughout this story together. And then in just a few minutes, we're gonna also partake in communion, all right? Matthew 26, verse one says this. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover is two days away and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the collectors of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. And they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. So while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as she was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Jesus said, the poor you will have all with you always, but you would not always have me. When she poured out this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked them, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, G Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Let me pause just for a moment here and ask you a question. How valuable is Jesus to you? For Judas, Jesus's value is 30 pieces what is his value to you today? Maybe a better question might be, how valuable are you to Jesus? Let's pause and reflect on God's love for us as the worship team leads us in this song. Took a breath, you breathed your life. 
Jesus, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city and to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after another, Sure, you don't, you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as has been written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you do not mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, you have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and saying this, he said, Drink from it, all of you. 
This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you and my Father's kingdom. As the disciples partook in communion on that Good Friday, we will partake in communion on this Good Friday. So I would, would I ask you, would you go ahead and stand to your feet all across the place today? And if you're a follower of Jesus, then I'm going to ask you to come to the front here and spend some time. We actually have three tables set up here. And you can come, you can grab the communion cup. There's also a card at the front. Just take a moment up here and it'll, it'll all make sense to you. And it'll tell you what to do. You take the bread first and then you take the, 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 the juice next, all right? And if you're a family, I would encourage you, if your kids are in the room, bring them. And uh, if you feel comfortable enough, you can go ahead and lead lead your family in communion. So to be clear, we're going to not do communion corporately in this moment. We're actually going to come out of our aisles and you're going to have an opportunity to do it personally with you by yourself or maybe with a close friend or with a family member. And the, the band will sing during the song. So go ahead and come and let's partake in communion together. Hey 
are coming and you can drop your cup in into those as they come let's pick back up at verse 31 then Jesus told them this very night you will fall away on account of me for it is written I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered but after I've risen I will go ahead of you into Galilee Peter replied even if all fall away on account of you I never will But truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. 
And so he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell to his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for an hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, then may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away one more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of the sinner. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him with, with a large crowd, armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once Jesus, at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of, the, one of Jesus' companions reached out his sword, drew it back, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, am I leading a rebellion that you may have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you didn't arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He's spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He's worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face, struck him with their fists, and others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where other, another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. 
He denied it with an oath. He said, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken. Before that rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, don't have anything to do with this innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in my dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the cloud. He said, I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted uh, uh, together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews. They said they spit on him and they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Gethsemane, where heaven 
Your hands bear the scars of a love that led you to the tomb. Oh, Calvary, where heaven met me. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, and there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed the written charge against him, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. 
Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. And in the same way, the rebels who crucified with him, they were also heaping insults on him. Verse 45 says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Luke chapter three, chapter 23, verse 34 records that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. God the Father answered his request on that Good Friday. And Jesus has brought forgiveness. Jesus looked to the Father and said, would you forgive humanity? And God granted that request. But it took the payment of his son. Jesus paid a debt that we could not pay so that we can live a life that we do not deserve. It's called grace. And grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. And John records in the 19th chapter, verse 30, that Jesus said, it is finished. It's finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. I'm just here to tell you today, it is finished. And you may have been walking in here and life may have been difficult and maybe you're having a good Friday. Maybe you're having a Friday moment, man. Things aren't going well. Maybe you're having a Saturday moment. I'm here to tell you that 2,000 years ago, there's a man. His name is Jesus. He's not kind of the Son of God. He is the Son of God. And when everybody gave up on you, when you gave up on you, Jesus was running to the cross for you. He's not giving up on you. Everybody else has a title for you. Everybody else has an identity for you. But Jesus sees you as one of his own. Anybody just grateful in the room for Jesus? I'm so grateful. Verse 51, and then we'll get up and sing if you want. I think you do. Um, Verse 51 says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open, everybody. The bodies of many, you got to let me finish. I know you're excited. I just want to get through the rest of the verse. The bodies of many holy people who had died have been raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those with him were, who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Come on, if you're grateful, would you stand to your feet? Come on, let's tell him today. He's great. He's the Son of God. Come on, he's our Savior. He's our King. We love you, Lord.
chance you're doing incredible but on this night there are so many in the world that have not stopped to acknowledge the most significant moment in history they're at bar whatever wherever they are and I'm not I'm not blaming them and I'm not mad at them I'm just saying I just feel like God the Creator is looking down on us and you could have been a lot of places tonight and can we just take a moment in this little part of Central Florida like within Florida, within the United States, like God's looking down on us right now. And can we just give him a praise that's just like, it, we just want to say we love you. We just want to say that we bless you. We just want to say thank you, God. We just want to say we bless you. We worship you today, God. So grateful. So grateful. Because of what Jesus has done, we can sing songs like we're about to sing again. This is a classic hymn. It's called It Is Well. Can we sing it with everything we got tonight? Would you us? Or whoever. I don't know who's going to do it. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrow like sea billows roll. Come on, sing it like you mean it. Come on. In whatever my life thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul.
soul, with my soul, it is well.